Hello, everybody. Welcome to a brand new episode of the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. It's two guys take on life, liberty, and the pursuit of gravy. And you, the listener, are getting a degree in common sense. We are broadcasting from the HB5 studios right here in beautiful downtown historic Concord, North Carolina. And uh, I'd be your host, Biggin. I'm excited to have a great show with you, as always. But before we begin, let me go ahead and introduce you to the second half of this inaugural parade. That's right. I'm talking about the pride of Anderson, South Carolina, 2016's honorable mention father of the year, the inventor of the redneck egg roll. That's right. Give it up on old mic number one. It's Mojo! Wow. Just keep getting better, right? Mm-hmm. In a world where a, a cheetah... Cheeto-colored man can be president. <laughs> we, we are here for some rational thoughts and explanations. Let's just not try so, to lick him, right? Yeah, <laughs> I don't know how it tastes. But yeah, speaking of that, it's, it's inaugura- inaugural week of our 45th president. But uh, besides that, we're just here to kind of relax and, you know, share some Southern philosophy. Mm-hmm. And uh, But we're here with you today and hopefully just sit back and listen. Um, up up on the show today, we're have our constant segment segment. Uh, how you be doing? Of course. Have a little wacky news. Mm. Um, we're also going to do a little food segment, and then go over to our special guest today. His name is Mackie Johnson. Mackie, why don't you say hi? Hi, everybody. Mackie's <laughs> actually a, uh, a clinical uh, addiction specialist. I think is that is that what we'd refer to you as. That'll work. Okay. <laughs> He's got all kinds of uh, credentials at the end of his name. So we're going to bring him in to talk about my addiction to. Donuts. Oh, that's all right, too. Hmm. But uh, anyway, you guys can check us out on uh, southernfryphilosophy.com. You can check us out at SFP Radio on the Instagrams, Twitter, and also Southern Fry Philosophy on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Please uh, interact with us there. We've we've actually uh, been sharing some funny pictures and some uh, so, some some funny things along our, our journey here. But we appreciate mm-hmm. you guys listening in. This is episode number... 20. 20, a special 20. So, wow. Yeah, there we go. So, it's like, you know, your teen daughter is like going away to college. Mm-hmm. And it's like that mile marker that you, you know, hit. She hits 20. Is it so? We're, so we're she's at. like pulling out of the driveway. We're crying, waving yeah. goodbye. Yeah. Yeah. Those 19 episodes <laughs> that went behind. I That's right. You. It feels like so many years. <laughs> so, anyway. But, uh, anyway, how you be doing today? Oh, man. I'm good. Uh, man, I'm great. You are like, recovering from something oh, so the bubonic mm. plague and ebola last week so so how's that <laughs> i'm fine now you know, thank, thank god for tamiflu so yeah that stuff work for you? Uh, you know man i have i've never had the flu before oh, but, really yeah and uh oh man it it was absolutely brutal you know and with the heart transplant I'm on so many immunosuppressant drugs, right. uh, suppressing drugs. So my immune system is at like 50%, mm. what, you know, yours would be. Um, so, yeah, it took a little bit longer to recover. But, boy, I tell you what, I've Oof. I've never shivered that much in my whole life. So, Do you have it coming up the upstairs and the downstairs? Uh, just the down. I had the, the, the baton death uh, dookie march. <sighs> so it was brutal. Yeah, uh, so. Isn't that the worst when you got it coming up both sides? Cause you oh, yeah, yeah. You, you, you can't predict. A, uh, yeah, yeah, you got to have a, you got to have a, you got to have a trash, have a trash can. Yeah, something. Oh, so, uh, yeah, it's, the uh, worst. you know, and actually, um, 
yeah, I, I had right beside me just in case it came up. Mm-hmm. I actually, from the the day of the week I did the Uber experiment, I actually brought some vomit bags, <laughs> the airplane <laughs> vomit bags. So I had those just in case I needed to, to Ralph. Very nice. But yeah, that, mm. yeah, I'm I'm just man thankful to be on the other side of that. I hope, yeah. Hopefully, I never get that again. Yeah. But, and actually, this is actually ironical. The first year I had the flu shot too. I got, oh wow. I got the flu. So how about it? Yeah. So it was kind of mm. double whammy. You know, keeping up with high culture that we are, right? Um, talking about poop, uh, how I be doing? My wife said something to me that I never thought I would ever hear in my lifetime, or ever really. She, I, I had to use the facilities this morning, um, and she came in and said, "She goes, you know, your your stuff, your poops, smells like butter, and not the good kind of butter." <laughs> <laughs> so I, I don't know really. Bat- how to react to that. Yeah. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't, it was a bad butter out there. My stuff smells like butter. I'll take that as a compliment. Yeah. Either yeah, way. Yeah. That's fantastic. A little butt butter. Yeah. How wow. about it? So my, my stuff smells like butter, evidently. Yeah. Well, uh, mm. I guess I, I guess it's worse than mine. Or better than mine, I'm sorry. <laughs> I think it reeks. Like, I don't know how. Like, my nose hairs are burnt off from, from last time. But, <laughs> but mm. you know, you never you never mind your own brand. No. You know. No. Uh, it, yeah. you, you can tolerate it. Mm-hmm. You know, it's it's okay, especially when you're uh, the windows are locked up and other people in the car. You definitely don't mind it then. So, <laughs> little Dutch oven action <laughs> going right. on. Yeah, that's gotcha. right. Well, very cool. So, uh, anything else on for your man? You I, no, that's I'm telling you, the last the last two weeks have been in the uh, on couch couch coma. <laughs> Netflix and uh, Netflix and coma. So well, at least you're not Netflixing and chilling. Yeah, no, no, just uh, you know. The, uh, I had, to be honest, it was very kind of nice, even though I was sick. It was very nice just to be able to sit back and not really have to worry about social media, mm-hmm. you know, because that could ruin your day pretty quick, just going to social media and seeing all kinds of things. But, um, maybe you know, we might have a, much, a, a lot more things to talk about next week after the inauguration <laughs> right. and, and snowflakes and, you know, protesters. Ooh. So it might be interesting mm. next next few days. But, well. Yeah, let's go ahead and talk about uh, some wacky news. How about it? Go for it. so much so much wacky news that's going on <laughs> um so i'll start off with um uh, according to austin police a man hid some cocaine um under his stomach fat <laughs> oh wow uh, according to the cbs affiliate in austin and other resources florinto horina he's 48 uh tried to hide cocaine under his belly fat during a dwi stop <laughs> Uh, online records from the Travis County Correctional Complex confirmed that he was arrested in the early morning hours of December 31st. So you got to know what he was partying before. Um, and according to police, they pulled him over after a rapid <laughs> lane change along a, a boulevard. He did admit, though, to having two uh, Crown and Cokes. Just two. two. Did it have a quantity that he was arrested with? I'm just curious. <laughs> no. Okay. It doesn't say how much. Uh, like a kilo of Colombian Bam Bam <laughs> under his, uh, you know, his neck fat. Police say that Hiera uh, uh, was caught on camera in the patrol car trying to destroy the cocaine he had hidden under his stomach fat. Mm. 
He, he was held uh, Wednesday for a total bond of fifty-five grand. So actually, must have been a fairly large amount for fifty-five grand. So. I, I, but hey, I mean, why are you trying to get rid of it if they haven't found it yet? Yeah, right. They're probably not going to because you're not going to get a strip search going into detox, are you? Well, I don't know. Hmm. I, I, you may, yeah. but 50, <laughs> no, yeah. you, you don't. You don't get strip search going into um, into detox. No, Let's see. So now here, listen to the podcast. Yeah. You'll know what not to do next time. But you probably need to go into detox. You, so. Yeah, I mean, good gosh, he, listen. Nothing happened. My, my grandma said nothing good happens after midnight. That's and right. Evidently, That's he did not follow grandma's advice on that one. Hmm. Hmm. I guess, well, yeah. my my grandma used to say that quite often. So yeah. Uh, my mom have, and my mom still tells me that too. Do you also tell you that to the to the kiddos? Well, we, I don't have that issue yet. Not yet. No. So, we, thank goodness. So, um, I, I have one more. Or you go. Well, the one I brought up, I wanted to bring up. I'm not, I'm not going to read the article because the article doesn't really do it justice. But um, this week, a, a Virginia man in Bristol, Virginia, it's on the cusp of a you know Tennessee Virginia line there. Um, he. Pays his DMV bill mm-hmm. with three hundred thousand pennies. Wow! Yeah, this guy evidently, <laughs> uh, you know, evidently this guy was really just just ticked off that the uh, the the DMV and also the state of Virginia actually wasted this guy's time. <laughs> sure, he was trying to actually find like a live phone number to to call someone and discuss. Um, you know, how does he? Uh, pay this bill, how does mm-hmm. he, you know, whatever. Um, but he actually had to file a FOIA, Freedom of, a Freedom of Information <laughs> Act request to actually get a live number oh to actually talk gosh. to a to person. Um, so anyway, between that and um, he had actually had to file a lawsuit against the DMV to get some more information about where to pay a bill. Mm. And uh, he was actually charged like $200 in, in court fees. The DMV didn't have any fees to pay. So after that, he just said, screw it. He 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 went ahead and paid a three thousand dollar bill. It was for taxes and registrations for his son's uh, new vehicle in his oh, vehicle. Wow. Um, but it took five wheelbarrows full of pennies. He also had to hire um, a couple, several men, and uh. women, to actually unroll the wrappers the of pennies. And it took him uh, approximately eighty six hours worth of labor to, to unpack cow. all that. So yeah, so that's the hero of the day for me. His name's Nick Stafford. He's out of. Uh, uh, Bristol, Virginia, but my hat's off to you, man. Uh, my hat's off to you. Taxation is theft. What so. if he was like off a penny? And they're like, "Well, nope." <laughs> you should, there's Send actually you back. can go on the you can go on his uh, you can find like on the several YouTube uh, world hip hop star mm-hmm. or whatever, but uh, of him actually uh, showing the the DMV clerks counting penny per penny. He actually broke several <laughs> coin coin machines <laughs> as they were counting. So. It probably took them a few hours to do that. They had to buy some off of Amazon Prime and try to get them within <laughs> the same day delivery. Yeah. yeah, that's right. Good gracious. Mm. Well, we've known my hatred of uh, squirrels. I hate squirrels. Squirrels are just rats with a good PR guy. I, I've got to right. believe that. Well, they were Disney characters, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, well, I'm not the only one that hates squirrels. Um, Howard Brookins, he is the alderman for Chicago, went on a public tirade about aggressive squirrels griping that uh, the furry critters kept eating through um, the the city uh, the city wires um, but the problem is he had no idea how aggressive these squirrels were on November 13th this is a little bit old uh, the alderman found himself in the hospital with a skull fracture after a squirrel 
leapt into the path of Brooken's bike, and he wrapped itself in the spokes and causing him to flip over the handlebars. Uh, he told the Tribune, I could think of no other reason for this squirrel's actions other than it is the act of a suicide bomber getting revenge. Holy crap. Uh, so <laughs> the squirrel jumped into spokes of his bike and flipped him over. Um, some outlets call like the Chicago Sun tri- Times covered the incident, but simply referred to it as a freak accident because they were afraid to call it a radical squirrel terrorism by name. So hmm. there is a picture of the dead squirrel in the bicycle spokes, and we'll post that up on the website. Um, speaking, you, hey, speaking, speaking of squirrels, I, um, squirrels. this can't, can't, a story came to mind. I read it's been quite a while back, but um, actually, a Michigan man. As being sued for $2 million worth of damages from his apartment complex because he was actually using a blowtorch to cook a squirrel in his apartment complex. What? Yeah, so he actually set the whole apartment complex on fire, but he's actually he's actually being held um, accountable for $2 million worth of damages. It happened in 2012, but it finally came to court in mm. 2016. So that's, that's the reason why I remember reading Good about gracious. it. So, yeah, so squirrels evidently are just, uh, you know, just creatures that cost a lot of money they are i mean they take out our power uh power line we had to get that restrung because of the stupid squirrels and i think that they're back back in the attic good gracious i hate these things well you remember what the squirrel did to the griswold um that's right the griswold uh, oh yeah living room that's right that's right (laughs) christmas vacation (laughs) i love that movie and uh and uh was it louie and whatever oh yeah the squirrel jumped on her and the the dog attacked her so yeah squirrels are little menacing Mm -hmm. creatures dangerous Rat with and just and just don't let them get in the road in front of you. Mm-mm. No, I thought that this guy. I, I was reading the story and I thought that the squirrel was just going to be on the, you know, jump out on the bicycle path. But this thing just jumped in the bicycle spokes That's and crazy. then just tore it up. That's crazy. That, like I mean, a kamikaze style. Yeah, yeah. It was a suicide squirrel. Have you, have you ever had squirrel before? I, I have not. Have you? Yes. Yep. I'm so, going to need to. Mackie, Mackie's from Camden, South Carolina. So I'm from South Carolina, too, so you have to have squirrels. Well, so, yeah. listen, because I, I, I know that there's squirrel seasons, and right. I think we have just gotten out of squirrel season. So when it's back on, hmm, me and my airsoft rifle are going to take out something. <laughs> is there a season? Like, there is a season, yeah. I mean, is there, I mean even, season. For, even for, like, nuisance? Oh, yeah. Really? Yeah, you can't kill it unless it's in the season. Remember, we had that, that episode with the yeah. bird. Like, it has to have a season for you to kill right. it. So if it don't have it, then you can't kill it. Can't accidentally kill them. Mm-mm. Nope. Wow. You go to jail. Literally go to jail for that. That's mm. crazy. Killing a bird. Wow. What are you in for? I, you know, I murdered fourteen people. What did you do? I killed a bird. Or, mm. or a squirrel. Or off a squirrel. season. Off wow. season. I killed a squirrel off season. <laughs> mm. So wow. So uh, I, did you see this article? Uh, Buzzfeed, and since we're all southerners here. Mm-hmm. T- uh, questions people from the south need to answer this is all mm. sum, uh, submitted through twitter okay um let's see let me read some of the the best the best ones i see um why do people from the south sound like uh why why the, bleh, mm. why do people from the south like mason jars so much well they're fantastic right well, I, I mean I you could so. put anything in it namely liquor right that that goes well in, in it um it's multiversal yeah yeah my wife uses it. We drink out of it. Mm-hmm. We store stuff in it. Mm-hmm. Uh, we put flowers in it. It's mm-hmm. a vase. I mean, there's all kinds of things you can do with it. I put my screws in it. Hey, no. That, that works, too. It's organi- organizing. Yeah, so there, there you go. You can. You can put your screws in it. There you go. There you go, morons. It's multiversal. <laughs> it's a family-friendly show. Go on. <laughs> 
Here we go. Uh, why do Southerners dress up for college fo- football games like they're going to church? Mm. You ever seen that before? I've done it. You've done it? Okay. <laughs> why, why, I, actually, I, I'm kind of curious about that, too, because, like, you know, coming from near Clemson, South Carolina, you <laughs> yeah. always see that. Just it, People always, every football game. Well, because it is church. Man, it is a religion. Yeah, I guess it is a religion, yeah. Mm-hmm. So there you go. That was easy. Uh, let's see. Some of these are just stupid, but why do do people from the South call uh, men younger than them son? Are you at that age yet where you call younger kids son? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I'll say that. Mainly, though, it's like, buddy. Hey, buddy, what are you doing? Right. Get off my yard, buddy. That's usually how it goes. I usually do it just to put them in their place. Listen here, son. (laughs) Mm. Why do people from the South always add an extra S? To the last name of stores, like girl, I found these at Belks. Isn't it? Isn't it Belks? It's Belk. Oh, is it? Yeah, I mean, I, and I thought it was Belks too. Yeah, I mean, I wouldn't say like I got it from like. Well, I guess I wouldn't say Kmart's. Right. I'd say Kmart yeah. or the Wal. I've heard Walmart's. Oh yeah, I got it from the Walmart's. <laughs> <laughs> so I don't know. I don't know. People from the South. Why do guys? Why do you guys monogram everything? Oh. You- that's my mother-in-law yeah. right there. That is her, all wrapped up. Mm. Yeah, I, I think if my my wife owned a monogram machine, um, I think would have everything monogrammed. So. Well, all your shirts have names on them. Yeah. Well, not my names. Right. <laughs> Yours does. It says Antonio. I see it from here. Alfonso. Alfonso. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right, here's the last one. Okay. Why do people from the South think Olive Garden is fancy? There was a time in my life where I thought Olive Garden was fancy because it was like more than, you know, like $10 a plate. Yeah, you go to try the tour to Italy. Yeah. (laughs) You feel like you're fancy. Well, I think, to be honest with you, I think being in the restaurant industry for so long, uh, Olive Garden was one of like the first, like one Mm. of three restaurants that would always come to a new town, you know, that would, uh, you know, Olive Garden, Outback, or and Applebee's, those were like the three that would come. So those were like the three nice restaurants. So <laughs> that's the reason why I think Olive Garden's kind of uh, made a staple here in the South as being the uh, fancy restaurant. So, but uh, do you like Olive Garden, Mackie? Sure, sure. I like, sure. I like the bread. Sti- I like the breadsticks and salad yeah, sometimes. Do you remember though uh, when the breadsticks were actually like they actually had like the the butter parmesan yeah, stuff yeah, on it, and now it's just like they dust it. Right. It's not nearly as good, but when they used to drown it in that, that used mm-hmm. to be really good. I haven't been to one in forever, but I do remember the breadsticks being decent. And yeah, the salad now, decent. So, and I'll get the Alfredo. So when I when I went, like I would get the Alfredo sauce, and I would you know get the breadsticks and then put it in the Alfredo sauce. That was my jam right there. That's kind of like a gravy. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. That's all you well, got. Their sets, breadsticks and soups are the best thing they have there. Yeah, mm-hmm. I don't know what I don't even know what else else they have All on the menu. All the pasta dishes taste the same. That's <laughs> true. <laughs> Can ragu, yeah, pretty much. Um, one of the questions is why do why do people from the South call stuffing dressing? I think that's a good question. Well, because well, it, it, well there's actually, two different ones. Well, actually, it is dressing. The rest of the world's wrong. That's right. <laughs> I like your point of view, Mackie. Now, from what I understood, and correct me, Mister Restauranteur, a stuffing was actually what you stuffed in the bird, bird. Yeah. and then the dressing is the stuff like out cooked outside. Exactly. Of the bird, right. Yeah. So, exactly. Okay. And be honest with you, who eats the stuffing out of a bird now with all the bacteria and stuff that everybody is aware of? I've never ate the stuffing inside you of a bird. You would get typhoid. Yeah. I think. In fact, yeah. I mean, you'd get. 
you get that long uh, Montezuma's Revenge that you just don't want to know about. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah, so you Northerners can keep the stuff, and we'll keep our stuffing and dressing separate, I guess. Mm-hmm. I like some good dressing. Oh, me too. Good me too. Gravy, I love it. I like the mm. I like the leftover sandwiches with the, the stuffing and, a, and, tur- and cold turkey on it, so mm. it's good stuff. Speaking of, we're going to go to a food segment uh, now, and it's going to be talking about... The, this is... a. Uh, the 10 North Carolina sandwiches you have to try before you die. So I don't know if you I don't know if you guys have been to any of these places, but here's here's what made the top list this time. Um, the Havana sandwich from the old Havana shop in Durham, North Carolina. How much time you spend in Durham, Mackie? Since you're I drive through it. Okay, you don't stop and I don't stop. You don't ever go to the you don't ever go to the duck shop, the the Duke Apparel shop. Um, the, the good thing about Duke is uh, Chapel Hill is on one side and Raleigh's on the other side. <laughs> uh, Maggie's a UNC fan, uh, bless his heart. So uh, we we'll have to give him a hard time about that. Anyway, the Havana sandwich is just a traditional Cuban sandwich, um, and it uh, has a special mojo or mojo sauce, mm-hmm. which is a citrus marinade. Um, number two. And I actually, I'm going there tomorrow. This is the number six uh, pork bond me from Lee's Sandwich Shop in Charlotte? Have you ever been to Lee's? I haven't. What is the pork bond me? Pork bond me, bond me is just uh, is basically what the French. One of the greatest contributions the French actually left the Vietnamese besides <laughs> besides a nation ravaged um, is actually just a French baguette um, with a roasted. This one is the roasted pork loin. It has some pickled vegetables on it and cilantro and. Hmm. The meat, uh, the bun is actually brushed with like a fish sauce, so it's really, it's actually a really good sandwich. Hmm. So, I thought it was just pork beside myself. No, I went, I went, I actually me. went by there today to get one to go, and uh-huh. they were closed up. So, evidently, uh, the course the one day of the week they shut well, down on Wednesdays. You know, Wednesday. So Which that is, would yeah, make sense. Makes, makes perfect sense Wednesday, <laughs> yeah. But uh, in fact, this sandwich shop has been around. It's been around here for uh, forever here in Charlotte, and uh, it is in the dumpiest That's shopping center ever. Where is it? It's over at. Uh, <laughs> Uh, Asian Corner Mall. It's off of uh, Sugar Creek, Sugarloaf. Sorry, Sugarloaf. Um, that and, sounds good. And uh, Tryon, Sugarloaf, and tri- or Sugar Creek and Tryon. Oh, is it? I mean, this, the yeah. parking lot. The parking lot looks like uh, Normandy after a bomber <laughs> run. I mean, <laughs> I've never seen so many potholes in a parking lot in my life. There's always a guy or two out there that's um, willing to um, detail well, your car. That's right. You got ah, it. Yep. yep. If, you're, hey, if you ever want to meet down there for uh, for a bomby sandwich, let me know. Uh, right, yeah, I'll, I'll meet you down there because you really need to go with uh with You need to buddy. have somebody. <laughs> That's the buddy system right there. <laughs> I, I, went there by, I went down there by myself. I was, uh. I was the only round eye there today. Hmm. Uh, number uh, three is the pork chop, Sammy. Now, uh, this one looks good. Snap, the snappy lunch, yeah. Mm. You know you, uh, mm. Do you know the Mount Airy? Do you know that you claim to fame about Mount Airy? Oh yeah, that's uh, Andy Griffith. That's show? right. That's oh, what yeah. Andy Griffith was mm-hmm. filmed there in Mount Airy. So this Snappy's Lunch has actually been there forever, um, and this is one of the sandwiches that uh, the pork chop sandwich is actually kind of featured on the show back in the day. So it's been around for quite a bit. It's actually a very good sandwich. It is actually a fried pork chop topped with uh, Carolina style chili and slaw and mustard. Um, so it's you know it's pretty pretty low calorie. Well, let's not leave out the fact that it's it's battered with pancake batter. <laughs> How about it? Oh, well, I mean that, that actually adds a little crispiness and sweetness mm-hmm. to it. But I'm all I about tell you, that. it is actually a very good sandwich. Uh, there's a actually a restaurant over in Salisbury that tries to, to copy it a little bit. They don't do quite the justice, but mm. it's all right. Number four is the fried turkey sandwich um, at the fried turkey sandwich shop in Fayetteville, North Carolina. <laughs> um, haven't been to Fayetteville, North Carolina in quite a while. It's a military base area. Hmm. Um, 
but it's basically just your standard Thanksgiving fare on a on some bread. So you get your gravy, cranberry sauce, and stuffing, which we're just talking about yeah. dressing. Now, PDQ does a uh, fried turkey sandwich. It's pretty good. It's, I haven't tried it yet. Yep, you can get it and then uh, put it. They put the cranberry sauce on it. They don't put the gravy on it, but it's just good. So it's they good leave sandwich. off the best part. Mm-hmm. Gotcha. All right, here, 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 you Mac. Um, here we go. The single BLT at Merritt's in Chapel Hill. Have you ever been to Merritt's? I don't think I have. Merritt's is actually really good. Merritt's has been there for quite a while. Um, but it's built BLT. Uh, their own twist is basically an avocado, which is uh, kind of a California style. Mm-hmm. They also use a pimento mayo. Um, so it's so it's a good, delicious sandwich. Mm-hmm. So next yeah. time you're in Chapel Hill, uh, Mac, just go and. I know, I know you're a big fan of salad greens and avocado. Yeah, yeah. Not so much. Um, but, um, you know, everything you get in Chapel Hill to eat there, there's always a twist on it. Oh, yeah. You, gotta, just, yeah. you, you don't get normal food in Chapel Hill. Yeah. yeah there's, but there's still, there's always in every college town, I'm sure there's way at UK, in Durham, mm. Um, in Chapel Hill, you always have like a hot dog shop or mm-hmm. that or that biscuit shop. I know Chapel Hill has a biscuit shop. It's been there for Biscuitville. Yeah, no, it's, it's a um, there's no one. They actually make fat cat head chicken biscuits. Mm-hmm. Well, the best place to get best place to get breakfast in Chapel Hill is Bradman's. Yep. Okay, that's right. Uh, it's actually been featured on like the Food Channel. And I think uh, a couple other places too. Yeah. But, Go to but, Bradman's. Uh, but you always in co- every college town, you always have your standard like just greasy hot dog burger place. So mm-hmm. um, here's another Charlotte staple. Here we go. The Tony Bologna at Pinky's Westside Grill. It's here in Charlotte, and then basically it is a fried bologna sandwich. I grew up on fly bolo- fried bologna, um, and has comes with slaw, chili, mustard, onions. Just mm-hmm. a typical southern southern flair. Um, next up on the list is the ABC at the Rockford. Um, it's in Raleigh. And, um, I mean, it just the sandwich has too much stuff to even look at it. Well, you've got, you've got uh, green apples, bacon, sharp cheddar <coughs> cheese, and, all, and you can add a meat if you want to it, and then, like, whatever kind of bread that they've got for the day. So this one uh, on the picture has French toast. I'm, I'm about that. Yeah, I like the green apple to it. Uh, as a kind of cool twist. Number eight is the pork belly sandwich at Asheville Sandwich Company in Asheville, North Carolina. Mm. Um, Good gravy! Look at that thing. Yeah, that's a kind of a that's kind Sweet of a monster. And we'll, we'll add this. We'll add this link to our our website too. <laughs> um, yes, yeah, so basically pork belly <laughs> sandwich. Pork belly sandwich is basically fried. And, Look at this thing. Yeah, and it comes with all kinds of shoestring potatoes. Nice. Yeah, it's just basically. Uh, just fried goodness. That's great. Number nine is the uh, Charlie's Cranky Crab Sandwich at Bu- the Beaufort Grocery Company in Beaufort, uh, Beaufort, North Carolina. Or is it Beaufort? Beaufort. Beaufort. Beaufort, Beaufort South, South Carolina. Carolina. Yeah, that's right. So we, uh, I always get those two mixed up. Now, this uh, one, this next one is my jam. Which one? Like, number 10. Number 10 oh. is the last one, the Buttermilk Fried Chicken Sandwich <clears throat> at the Buxton Hall Barbecue Joint in Asheville, wow. North Carolina. So um, this thing looks... Like it puts a Chick Fil A sandwich to to shame, basically. It it basically ate the Chick Fil A sandwich and pooped it out. <laughs> yeah, I mean, this thing is a monster. Yeah, it looks like it looks like a fried turkey breast, basically. Yeah, but I uh, mean, this is massive. This thing has won all kinds of awards. It's been featured in Bon Appetit magazine, and uh, I think it has basically a road trip on our road oh, yeah. trip on our list. Yeah, yeah. So we definitely need to take that before you uh, go do on your secret assignment. Mm, yep. Yeah, we need to go check that out like now. <laughs> you think we can back be back by noon? <laughs> we can try um, that. Um, so yeah, if you didn't catch that, we'll uh, list these all, all on the uh, show notes on the website, and you can check it out there. All right, so we're going to take a break, and uh, when we come back, we will be talking to Mackie Johnson. He's our special guest for this evening. 
So we'll be back. This is Southern Fried Philosophy. If you know me, Biggin, you'll know I'm crazy about Kentucky and bourbon. So what happens when you throw coffee beans in a bourbon barrel? It's pure magic. I stumbled upon Kentucky Nose Bourbon Barrel Coffee a few years ago during a trip to Lexington, and it was love at first sip. From the heart of a true craftsman comes the unique combination of coffee and bourbon. Do yourself a favor and check out KentuckyNose.com to get the finest bourbon barrel coffee the bluegrass has to offer. Check out KentuckyNose.com. You can also check out his new store at 337 West Broadway Street if you're just hanging around Frankfort, Kentucky. It's a new store. It's supposed to be really awesome. So go check it out, KentuckyNose.com. Thanks for listening to the Southern Fried Philosophy Podcast. Um, this is our interview segment. Today we have Mackie Johnson. Mackie is the uh, clinical director at a uh, uh, treatment facility here in Charlotte. And uh, he's on the show today to talk about addiction and recovery and uh, just whatever else we can get, kind of get into. So, and um, I, I've been, I think I've shared my story with addiction and stuff like that. So this is kind of close to my, my chest here. So, uh, Anyway, Mackie, thanks for joining us. Um, tell us a little bit about what you do right now at the uh, at your treatment facility and kind of what you see. All right. Um, well, at our treatment facility, we do um, just about everything involving substance abuse. We have um, prevention services to try and keep folks off alcohol and drugs. Mm-hmm. And we do outpatient services. We do some intensive day services where you come and hang out with us nine or 20 hours a week. Um, we have a detox facility, so a place you can come and dry out. We have an inpatient facility where you can come and hang out with us for 28 days. Hmm. Um, we have an adolescent program. Um, and we also do um, some psychiatric services for med management, those types of things to help folks with that are dealing with depression and um other psychiatric conditions and um, also starting to do a lot of work around the opiate addiction um, uh, epidemic that's going through. Um, through yeah, that's, a, that's a huge epidemic right oh, now. It's right? huge. Yeah. Um, opiates are just nasty. Right. They're just nasty what hmm. they do to people. Right. A lot of, uh, a lot of friendships I know that have been willing over that. And, really? Sure. Yeah. Just because uh doctor, you know, someone goes in for a, a routine like uh, surgery or mm-hmm. an injury, you know, they, they get some type of op- opioid type drug, you know, from the, as a, as a stopgap for pain. And then, I mean, they're just, you know, they're hooked. Mm. So. Right. And for a while, um, I guess back in the nineties or so that, you know, there was this whole idea about quality of life. Right. And um, a lot of the drug companies funded this. And I'm, I'm not going to hate on the drug companies too much because right. um, they do a lot of good. But They do um, good, yeah. They, um, you know, they were pushing that pain is a legitimate um, concern. If people are uncomfortable, give them opiates. Stop mm-hmm. the pain. Bring their pain down. Make them comfortable. Um, and there weren't but I really... think also, wouldn't opi- opioids, weren't they described as non-addictive, though, when they first came out? Oxycontin, when it first came right. out, was formulated in a pill. Um, so if you take the pill, it dissolves slower. It's slower released into your body, which affects how addictive it is. Um, but as industrious and clever as um, drug addicts are, <laughs> they realized that if I crush it, right. um, I can inject it. And I'll get a heroin light. Or um, smoke it. Or smoke yeah. it. You, if you break the pill, crush yeah. it, powder it, um, I'll get a heroin like high. Right. 
And um, the cool thing about it was is I could go to my doctor. Uh, my insurance would pay for it. My insurance would even buy me the buy me the drugs. Right. I could take it home, cook it up, and um, yeah. you know. There you go. Full there blown, go. full blown addiction. There you go. So yeah. Just in case you're tuning in, that's how you can get high. Not anymore. If you try and break it, um, the alarm goes off and like a, a well, they, I know, comes out. You know, it I, breaks in chunks. And if you try and melt it, it'll turn into a glue type really? substance. Yeah, and the, you can't the manufacturers. Put it in. I, I have I have some experience that just because of family, you know, being addicted to it, but also. Um, Post post surgeries and stuff like that, I have been on the opioids, and you know, for temporarily, I mean, they're great, but right. I mean, they can be nasty to get off of. But you know, just doing the research, you know, because you see all things all, all the time on the news and stuff about you know uh, the new epidemics and hmm. the the black market for opioids and things like that. But uh, I think man, uh, pharmaceutical companies have done a better job, like I said, reformulating these things to where right. they they can't be so tampered with. That's amazing. I had no clue about that. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> sure, yeah. sure, and you know. Um, Back in the day, before the opiates really became so um, common, you only got opiates if you were in surgery. You had a major condition, like you broke a bone, mm-hmm. or you had cancer or something like that, just something that was incredibly painful, and then you would get opiates. Other than that, you got a Tylenol or an ibuprofen and a pat on the back and said, I hate it for you, buddy. <laughs> yeah. Um, then all Suck the opiates. Suck it up, buttercup. <laughs> really. Mm-hmm. And then all of the issues with the opiates came along, and um, it's interesting that in just the past year, the um, the CDC um, kind of took a back step, and they talked about opiates that right after surgery, cancer, um, broken bone, short duration, and then you know ibuprofen and physical therapy. Right. Um, so it's interesting that you know. Twenty years later, a we're, we're going back. But then all of a sudden, the the FDA does something stupid. Like all of a sudden, they lower the the age to ten years old for opioids, and they and they they approve new opioids to be released on the market. Yeah, it's just it, mm-hmm. you know they count. It, it's it's like they're saying one thing, but in the back they're just doing another. So yeah, what, well, the, hey, truth, so, the truth so the truth of the matter can do that. What's that? The government can do that? Just, you know, <laughs> say one thing and do another? Exactly. Uh, I think we're about ready to have a... <laughs> we're uh, we're going to find out real quick. A lesson on that yeah. coming up. But, you know, we won't talk about <clears throat> politics either. Um, but, the um, you know, the thing about opiates is they're a legitimate drug. They're a very useful drug. Mm-hmm. Um, there are certain things that you do with opiates that you can't do with anything else. So they're valuable. And I would, you know, medicine needs it. Mm-hmm. Well, certainly, you know, when I had my um, some surgeries in the past, I'm grateful that I had opiates. Sure, yeah. Um, I wouldn't want to try and do that without those. Yes, that's right. But um, they were, you know, the idea, I think, was genuinely trying to be helpful, but it's just something that got away. Mm-hmm. And um, the pharmaceutical companies made a lot of money off of it. There have been some class action suits about to some of the pharmaceutical companies about um mislabeling and underreporting the dangers of this. Mm. And I think we're on a swing back the other side where we're more responsible use of opiates. But, you know, we've got a generation of people that are addicted to opiates now. That's right. Mm. I think, well, the FDA, I know, has recently um, has changed some of the laws where uh, I think some states were like you 
come see a doctor every three months or something like that. Uh-huh. I think a lot of states have gone back to the see you have to you must see the doctor every month. They'll have random pill counts and things like that. So I think right. the FDA is trying to change, trying to lock it down a little bit. But like you said, though, it's um, it, I, I'm, I'm afraid it's actually pushed some people out of the uh, uh, you know out of using legal opiates. That's or, what happens, and pushed them into the black market of heroin. What happens is somebody so, starts using them. Um, it's going to happen if you put opiates in your body. Body, you're going to develop tolerance, and you're going to need more. And um, a lot of times, folks will use more. They'll run out early. Doctors will cut them off because they're they're misusing the. I'm sorry about that. They're misusing the prescriptions, and they're worried about you know um, abusing and misuse of those drugs and then folks will start going different places doctor shopping trying mm-hmm. to get their opiates um, and eventually you just run out of options and then as you said the FDA is cracking down on how many scripts can be handed out you can't do two or three month supplies one month at a time there have databases now where they track who's prescribing opiates and they can tell mm-hmm. how often you're getting and your the pharmacies will actually alert um, your doctors and mm. they'll do their so, all sort these types of um, safeguards in it. What so, it. Sorry, I don't mean to interrupt. Would that explain my my need to have like one poppy seed lemon muffin and then need two the very next day? The poppy <laughs> seeds. Because uh, that's an opiate, right? Uh, uh, poppy I, seeds. I, you, you will you will pee uh, positive for for opioids. If, yeah, I think you're a little confused. That's <laughs> something else. Okay. I think I think you're just addicted to the lemon poppy <laughs> seeds. <laughs> well, I was I'll, I was going to try to use that excuse to my wife <laughs> to be like, I need more. I yeah. need more of the lemon oh, poppy yeah. seeds. There you go. Um, Sorry, go ahead. Well, if you're eating enough lemon poppy seed um, cake to. <laughs> To develop a tolerance. Wow. All I can say is wow. <laughs> Nailed it. I'd, I'd, I'd kind of like to watch that because that would be interesting. <laughs> um, oh. But what happens is after some, uh, over time is the – over time what ends up happening is people start buying heroin off the street because mm. it's easier to get and it's cheaper. Uh-huh. And the quality of it, the purity of it on the street is just through the roof. Hmm. Um, and then you've got a lot of other stuff that's out there too. Fentanyl's one that's picking up a lot of steam and it's very powerful. Um, that's where a lot of people overdose too. Well, people overdose on opiates. Just was it doesn't it like suppress the respiratory or something? It like does. That? Yeah. It slows down. It's the central nervous system depressant, so it slows down your breathing, heart rate, those types of things. And interesting fact about opiates: the most dangerous time for someone um, who uses opiates is after they've detoxed and they've been clean for a few days or a few weeks, and then they will go back and use the same amount. amount. Their body has Mm -hmm. lost their tolerance, and they'll overdose. That's the number one danger period for folks that are using opiates for overdose. Hmm. So so in your your facility, are you seeing a huge rise in opioids, or or is it, you know, I guess – what are the heavy hitters as far as you guys see? You know, is alcohol alcohol still number one? Alcohol's number one, still number one, will always be number one. At the cost to society is still the greatest. It will probably always be that way. Wow. You know, they should probably do a thing where they can, like, outlaw alcohol. <laughs> it's yeah. been tried. Oh, <laughs> yeah. We're <clears throat> actually walking, going through Boardwalk Empire. Wow, that's a oh, yeah. dirty yeah. show. Yeah, it just fuels the black market is all mm-hmm. it does. Yeah. So. 
you can't you can't legislate morality, so that's what happens. <laughs> you um, can't. <laughs> well, we try and we try, and then of course there's black markets for that. But wow. Uh, um, so alcohol is number one. Um, that's interesting. And then I, opioids has to be close up there. Up there. Or? Um, it starts it starts breaking down. Um, alcohol's number one. Mm-hmm. Marijuana's number two. Those two kind of go hand in hand. Um, and then it, I'm not exactly sure on what the latest is because it really is interesting if you look around. Um, look at the um, epidemiological data. Mm-hmm. Um, different cities in different parts of the country have different Problem. drugs that are mm. prevalent. Right. So where one area um, opiates will be a big deal, in other areas cocaine's more of an issue. Um, so for Charlotte, we tend to see you know alcohol's number one. Cocaine is still very prevalent. Mm. Um, we probably see more folks that are struggling with cocaine. So still a design, considered a designer drug? I mean, cocaine? Yeah. Oh, cocaine's not a designer drug. Well, it used to be back in the 80s. I back mean, in that day when it was powder, you had to be rich to afford it. Oh, uh, so, so you're talking about cocaine in crack form or whatever, too, I guess. Now, crack was always the dirty drug, and yeah. that, was, that was the drug that um, was... Um, the scourge of society would use the scourge of society. We passed all those rule. We passed all those laws around cocaine and the sentencing. And now you've heard the controversy about, um, you know, crack cocaine was um, those laws were discriminatory against right. people of color because it kind of targeted that Just group. crack. Crack is in that community. Yeah, yeah. Crack is in the community. Um, everybody was watching TV, watching the news, and they were afraid of what crack cocaine would do. Mm. So you would be given major sentences for a very small amount of crack cocaine, right. but I could carry around pocketfuls of powder cocaine hmm. and have a much less sentence. sentence. I think the you know public outcry came when Whitney Houston said crack is whack. Now that probably was the... Yeah, it could have been, it could have been the crush. It, it, it could have been, could have been the fork in the road, yeah. <laughs> yeah well, she, she, she died for her reason, I guess. So Crack is whack and don't do drugs. Just say no. Just say no. Yeah. yeah. Remember Nancy Reagan everywhere. Yeah. Just say no. How about the the frying pan, this is your brain on drugs? <laughs> yeah. yeah. Wasn't that, that a good. great one? Yeah. That probably worked for a that while. That one actually did yeah. for me. Like when they were saying, like, acid will do this to your brain. I'm like, whoa. But I was a kid, you know. I was like, I'll never do that ever. <laughs> so mm. so um, it worked. The uh, the what are the top causes, I guess, of addiction that you mm. see? Because you know, addiction. Um, do people just fall into it? Is, do people seek it out? Do people just uh, get, you know, like I say, get caught into it? Or is it could, could it be something that's addiction is a pain management to, for something else? Like for myself, my my addiction was my pain management for some personal trauma that had happened early mm. on in my childhood. So. How, what do you guys see a lot of, or you know, what do you have experience with? Well, addiction is yes to all of those. <laughs> There's no rhyme or reason. <laughs> no. It's just, yeah. There are a couple of things that have to kind of be in place for somebody to become addicted. Um, you've got to have a uh, predisposition to it. You've got to have the genetic load or the genetic um, tendency to um, become addicted. And I like to say that's similar to like um, people that get cancer. You know, some fa- people, some families... Cancer just runs through their families, and addiction is sort of the same way. Interesting. So um, addiction, um, you've got to have a genetic predisposition. you got to be in the right environment. Too. You've got to be in an environment that supports it because there are cultures where alcohol is completely, um, 
you know, really looked down on. So uh-huh. it's not used in the community and you yeah. don't see, you don't see high rates of um, addiction in those places. And, um, you know, you've got to have, you know, there's a spiritual component to it that I believe in. And I don't mean as in um, a former religion mm. component, but it's just this idea of this drug is going to make me happy. Uh-huh. This mm. Using this is going to bring meaning to my life. Interesting. Um, so for somebody to get addicted, it's got to be the right person, the right place, the exposure to it. All of that has to be there. Um, the thing that's interesting about addictions is most people that use alcohol and other drugs, I know this sounds kind of crazy, but most people that use alcohol and drugs don't get addicted. There's really only a small percentage of the population that will use alcohol and drugs that will, be get, that will get addicted to it. Now, there are some drugs like cocaine and methamphetamine um, that can get somebody addicted very, very quickly. Mm-hmm. Um, but... Um, most people that use alcohol and drugs, they don't get addicted. Only about hmm. 10%, anywhere between 6 and 8% of the, 6 and wow. 10% of the population that will use substances will actually become addicted. I had no clue on that. I thought as soon as yeah. you try it, you were like, that's Boom. crazy. Well, I mean, I, su- try I, su- it. <laughs> I, su- I suggest that you don't go try <laughs> right, cocaine right. and some of those other drugs just right. to, will I get addicted or not? <laughs> um, if it was that simple, I think we could find a, right. a cure for it. But, um, yeah, it's um, yeah. All of those things have to be present for somebody to become addicted huh. to it. You just have to have the right environment, the right recipe, the right person. Yeah. Wow! Interesting story, and I'll tell this because it uh, it really um, illustrates a point. Uh, there were a group of um, soldiers in Vietnam that were um, using heroin, um, IV, when they were in Vietnam. And they met every definition of the word of the definition of being addicted to heroin, withdrawals. The whole, I mean, the whole nine yards. But something interesting when that group of fo- when that group of soldiers came home, they were put in a brief treatment program. Basically, they were dried out and they were sent home. Hmm. And ninety um, percent of those folks stopped forever. Wow. And that goes contrary to a lot of what you hear about right. heroin. If you use heroin, you're going to get addicted to it. First, I've always heard first time, first shot, you're you're done. Well, it certainly makes an impression the first yeah. time you use it. Yeah, time, you know, you, time. Um, yeah, constantly chasing and it, that. And it does set a um, it does set the stage because mm-hmm. once your body gets introduced to that rush, mm-hmm. it's going to look for it. Mm-hmm. It's gonna it's gonna push you for it. It's going to be something that it likes a lot, and it's going to push you to. Um, look for it. Uh, but a lot of people that use opiates, by the time they get to heroin, they've been using opiates for a while. Yeah. Uh, most people that use heroin, their first time isn't the IV. For, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's not. It's not a. It's not a needle in their arm. Yeah. So um, by the time you shoot up, it's, it's quite possible you're already addicted to it. Well, and I think also, you know, you know, there's so many taboos, you know, in society and. Especially with the, certainly with the 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 drug commission commercials that you know we were hit with in the eighties mm-hmm. and stuff like that and nineties um, that you always saw like the dirty person in the hole mm-hmm. in the gutter yeah. that was right. using some type of substance, but it's not true. I mean, I, I've met That's people, not. I've met people that are you know work for Fortune five hundred kind of companies who are CEOs of a of a job who are constantly using. So it's mm-hmm. 
addiction like that doesn't discriminate or even drug just you know recreational use doesn't discriminate and of course in the restaurant industry i saw a lot of it just because that industry breeds it you know a lot of um a lot of cocaine in our in our industry was was pretty heavy um but just because it's a party drug but yeah it it doesn't discriminate you know it's not the um it's not the dregs of society it's not uh, a certain type of ethnic ethnic community or anything like that It, it affects all of us, all of us who have a beating heart and blood running through our veins. So, yeah. sure, um, I think some of those commercials have been a disservice. Cause, right? Um, there's this, there's a cat ad campaign going on right now. I don't know if you've seen it on TV where they're showing young people that are using, and they always show the kid, the young person dead on the floor, or the the mom standing over the kid on a respirator. Mm. And the message is, is underage drinking is dangerous, which it absolutely is. But you're right. Most people that are addicted, while they can end up in the gutter, um, it takes people a long time to, for some folks. Let me say that depending yeah. on the drug person situation, um, it takes a while to get that far down the road. And there's a whole period of time there. If we can intervene early and start working with folks earlier that we can prevent years mm. of misery. Mm-hmm. But. You know, we oftentimes don't see somebody until they're, you know, where I work, um, Hmm. until they're homeless. um, Court mandated. Yeah, we love the court mandated. (laughs) Courts at court. They're so they're so volunteering. I'm sure. (laughs) But you know, the court guys, they come and they get better. Yeah. Because they got a judge. Right. And you know, it's one of those things that's really interesting because court does work. Or it could be wake up a a huge wake up call. Yeah. Well, they're woken up. Yeah. I mean, there's nothing like hearing the gavel hit. Yep. That kind of gets your attention. Um, I, th- I think I'd rather hit a tr- treatment facility than go spend my yeah. time behind real bars. So. <laughs> yeah, I, it's better to hear a counselor say, how can I help you versus a judge telling you that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this is your this is your one hot of the day. Right, yeah. right, right. 60 months. And uh... yeah. mm-hmm. I, I like the stories of hope. And, and obviously you can't and we don't want like names or anything. But through your experience, like what are some of those those moments that stand out that that like really impact you to see somebody like going from point A to point B? Um, you know, you don't have to look too hard because, um, you know, Brandon said he's in recovery and I'm, I've been in recovery too. I'm, um, since 1990 and it seems like a lifetime. Congratulations. Ago. Yeah. yeah was, no yeah. kidding. Um, that's a lifetime ago for me cause I was really young. Mm-hmm. Um, when I, when I got into recovery and, um, so I'm a big fan of Alcoholics Anonymous. I mean, it is a place where you go, and on a Friday night, Queen City in Charlotte, I can go to that meeting, and there'll be 250 people in there recovering, Um, business people, professionals, people smiling, laughing, joking, having a good time, and they're there because they want to be there. Mm. I can't go to a direct treatment facility anywhere (laughs) and find that many happy, smiling people that are happy to be there. So I have to do my kind of plug out um, to that. But I can go to an AA meeting, um, and you can just watch people come to life. Hmm. You know, they're they're There's there's something about being in a room of people that have been where you have. You right, know, it's magical. Yeah, and it's magical. Yeah, you're like you're like a zebra. You're you're in a world of elephants, and you're a zebra. And all of a sudden, you find another room full of zebras. You're you're like, all right, I'm, I'm with my people. Right, so. right, right, right. So, um, you know, you can go to AA meetings and just see people come to life. Um, I think through my professional career, there have been there there are a couple of people that I know um, 
that have been really meaningful to me. Um, one person was a young mom who had a couple of kids, um, and she went down the road, uh, prostitution, the whole nine yards, kids mm-hmm. taken away from her. I mean, just just the whole nine yards. And working with her over a period of time, watching her get her life back together, get sober, get her kids back, move into her own place, go mm-hmm. to school, get a job. Wow. And just the joy on her face of yeah. living a different life. I mean, that's that's why I keep doing my job. And then there's another person who had, um, you know, she got into addiction late. Um, but, man, it, you know, she struggled with it and struggled with it and struggled with it. And she finally got clean and sober. And um, she she died a couple years after she got clean and sober because of all the damage mm. all through the years and anything. But watching her those last couple years of her life, just living mm-hmm. and enjoying, just amazing, mm. just amazing. Bre- breathing sober air is a hell, hell of a lot better than uh, than than, than drink, you know, breathing in the other. So right. because you con- you're fully cognizant of every breath that you take and right. what it means. Um, I think talking about the the damage that it done on that that lady's uh, body. I mean, I think 2016 and our celebrity uh, apocalypse. Oh, good gracious! I, think, yeah. I mean, I think a lot of that is you know the kind of goes back to a lot of the, the, just those heavy years of drug and right. bu- you know alcohol abuse because a lot of those people you know like like Carrie Fisher, everybody's like, oh man, too too young. But I mean, she had a pretty rocky road with she addiction. Did. So um, <clears throat> and she had mental she had mental illness. Too. Oh, yeah. she, she struggled there for a while and. Um, I mean, Prince, mm-hmm. I mean, pain pills, pain yeah. pills yep. prescribed. Yep. Um, yeah. I think David Bowie was just old, right? He was old. He had cancer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, cancer. Jo- but George Michael, George, George Michael, Michael he, absolutely. Yeah, he, he was addicted so, uh, to uh, heroin and, yeah. uh, you know, heroin and some other stuff. <laughs> Sorry. But, uh, but George, no, George Michael, I think it was addicted to heroin, but, mm-hmm. um, and some other party drugs, whatever, too. Right. But, but uh, yeah, there's, I think, but like I said, 2016, for people who actually look into it, a lot of those deaths were people that had just abused their bodies for years. And, you know, your body doesn't forget it. It's not like it rejuvenates, you know. It's it, resilient. It's resilient. But, but it can only you know, take so much. That's right. Just like, you know, they say every cigarette takes, you know, X amount of hours off mm-hmm. your body or whatever. I think I think you can say uh, to say that heroin and cocaine do the same well, thing. Well, an interesting thing about <clears throat> cigarettes, and this is, again, through my personal experience and i'm just looking at some of the data that's out there you know cigarettes are a real problem for people for everybody Mm. but i can't count the number of people that i've known who got clean and sober um and you know cigarettes and drinking kind of go together Mm -hmm. you know it's kind of like chips and salsa you can't have one (laughs) without the other um and i can't tell you how many friends that i've lost through the years where they would get clean and sober, they'd be sober two or three years, and then they got the dreaded diagnosis yeah. of cancer, and then they would die. From cigarettes, yeah? Cigarettes, yeah. Um, so cigarettes are a big deal. Cigarettes are also probably, we laugh, we t- use this term a gateway drug, mm-hmm. but cigarettes, especially kids that start smoking at a younger age, there's a very significant portion of those um, folks that will go on to use alcohol and drugs um, and develop addictions. So cigarettes are a big deal. Um, You know, they don't, you don't get arrested for smoking cigarettes. You can go in a store and buy them and people don't, you know, um, you know, go hold up convenience stores to get money for cigarettes. But that's, (laughs) um, they're, they're a big deal. They're a big deal. 
I do want to go back to your your uh, cigarette taking minutes off your life. If that's the case, then how how long do you think Keith Richards would have lived? Well, he's, he has blood transfusions. <laughs> like, that joker, how does he keep yeah. ticking? Yeah. I mean, uh, good gosh. He's, what's <clears> the <throat> joke after a nuclear war? There are going to be two things left, cockroaches Twi- and Twinkies Keith and Richard. Keith Richards. <laughs> <laughs> three. Let's add Keith Richards to that. What a horrible life. Well, I don't know. If you're the only one left and you have just infinite amounts of Twinkies, I mean, you're not, I mean, that's that's actually a pretty good day. Yeah. Hmm. Yeah, not, not, not too bad. Um just uh, your thoughts on uh, on marijuana and, and the kind of the mm. the push right now in the United States, where more and more states are legalizing, especially right. for medicinal. Um, some states have you know gone the extra step and done recreational too. So, um, do you see this a problem? Is, is this going to be a problem? You know, coming up as far as uh, is it addictive? You know, I've always heard that studies show that marijuana is not addictive. Wow! So they are uh, talking to the same people. I'm seeing. <laughs> <laughs> so what's your th- what's your thoughts on that i knew you were going to ask me that question <laughs> when you t- asked me to come on here i said i know he's going to ask me that question because it's it it's a loaded question because it's mm. um and, and i'll just share my thoughts and they are my thoughts sure. and um the views and opinions <laughs> it's an opinion it's a big one right uh you know marijuana is addictive it's got a withdrawal syndrome. Okay, so that, so that component makes Abs- it self-addictive. Absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, the the folks that I've seen that struggle with that and use that excuse a lot were usually the younger, the adolescents that I've worked with in a while. And But um, I'm going to use some slang here, and I hope nobody gets offended on some of the language I'm going to use here. No. <laughs> um, but I can take my 45-year-old head, mm-hmm. who's been smoking pot for decades, and I can ask him, what's going to happen to you if you stop smoking pot all of a sudden? And universally, they just give me a list of things that's going to happen. I'm going to be irritable. I'm not going to be able to sleep. I'm not going to be able to concentrate. Mm-hmm. I'm going to be uh, just a complete jack wagon, yeah. everybody. <laughs> um, and I'm, I'm going to think about it a lot. I'm going to be nervous. Um, all of those things, and almost universally, they'll they'll list the same issues. Hmm. That's a clinical withdrawal syndrome. Hmm. Um, you know, marijuana, it does some funny things in the brain. Um, I think where people say that it's not addictive or it's not harmful is because you don't tend to act out with it like you do cocaine hmm. um, or even alcohol or... Um, opiates you know you don't see those types of behaviors but marijuana is doing some funky stuff in your brain and it is um what it you know what pot does is when it gets in your brain it kind of works in that novelty area (laughs) that curiosity area Mm -hmm. and for anybody that smoked pot they'll talk about especially early on how it's funny how a cat walked across the room Mm-hmm. Or did the way you just looked at me was really funny, right? And you know, just really silly, mundane stuff becomes very. I, I, interesting. Re- I remember laughing at the uh, the sh- the uh, leprechaun on the Lucky Charm cereal box. Now that thing's funny. Probably, funniest, for, probably for about a day. Yeah, funniest thing ever. That's right. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the way that cat walked across yeah, the room? Yeah. <laughs> you see how that leprechaun walked across that room? Yeah. You know the killer squirrels that we were talking oh, about. No. Oh no! <laughs> wow. You, you would you would be a paranoid person. Out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah you, you you would um, you would be laughing so hard, crying, and holding holding your side. And what's going on is the marijuana 
um, is getting in that, that, that curiosity, novelty, sinking area of the brain. So if your brain was, was a mall, it would be going to like Spencer's at this point. Oh, big time. Yeah. Or a teenage boy walking by Victoria's Secrets 22 times. Yeah. Gotcha. Okay. Oh, big, oh, big time. Big time. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Exactly. That's what you're talking about. Or if you like to eat, you're walking by um, Cinnabon. Cinnabon. Oh, my mm. gosh. Cold Stone. Oh, sweet. Deadly. Yeah. Um, but what's going on there is your brain, you know, you start really overstimulating that area. Mm-hmm. And what your body does is if it gets overstimulated, it starts to turn it down because it can't work like that all the time. Your body's trying to adapt to it. Mm -hmm. And what ends up happening is that curiosity area, that thing that makes you curious about things that you want to explore things like that. If you start smoking a lot of pot, it starts your body's natural um, curiosity starts getting turned down. Hmm. So in going from like a normal five or six, it's getting turned down to a one or two. Hmm. Um, and that curiosity, that feeling interested in stuff, it becomes a sort of a cycle where you um, you start being interested. That that a motivational syndrome, sleeping on mama's couch and everything like because you're just not motivated to do anything. That's because mm. you're putting a substance in your body. Your body's responding to it. And um, also, what happens if you don't use circuits in your brain? It actually, the brain starts destroying them and turning them down. And it's just a way that it, it's just a way that it maximizes its um, effectiveness, mm-hmm. its use. And when you smoke a lot of pot, it actually turns those circuits off. Hmm. So and it basically rewires. It rewires yeah. your brain. Um, and that's what's going on with pot. And there's lots of studies around it. We understand it really well. Um, but nobody's really talk, talking about that. And also another thing that's likely to happen, um, if you legalize pot, you're going to regulate it mm-hmm. just like the ABC stores. Mm-hmm. Um, and kids will tell me it's easier to get pot than it is alcohol because drug dealers don't cart. Mm-hmm. Right. <laughs> really? Um, they yeah. Would. Yeah. So the drug dealer with morals. Yeah. <laughs> It's sort of like a politician regulating morals. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> we talked about that yeah. earlier, right? Or a politician <laughs> with morals. Yeah. But anyway, I know I'm getting really lost. You know, I'm losing you guys in details no, and oh, stuff I'm, like I'm that. I'm right with stuff. you. Um, but I worry about um, kids getting pushed to other things. Mm-hmm. The synthetic drugs that are out there now are scary, what happens to folks. And um, I'm worried that you start legalizing it and controlling it and regulating it, you'll have some kids that will go that direction. We also know that if you legalize the drug, it's going to make more of it available. And then it's sort of like kids getting addicted to opiates. They get them because they go into their parents and their friends' mm-hmm. um, medicine cabinets, and they get it, and that's how they start. You'll see the same thing with pot. So what you'll actually start to do is see – younger people and the rates of addiction increase because it's just more available. So long story short, no, it doesn't cause people to, um, it doesn't turn people into ax murders, ax murders and like zombies. The, yeah, the zo- that zombie drug is like insane. I don't, have you seen that one? This is a tangent, but like the, it turns them like into crazy zombies. 
And people will, like, get shot, like, six or seven times and, like, not uh, even... So the bath salts and stuff yeah, like that, yeah. Like the or the, or the guy that was eating that guy's face yeah, down in Florida yeah, bath several salts, years yeah. ago. Mm. I mean, just... Are, are, are those synthetic drugs still on the rise? I mean, oh, goodness, they're everywhere. Because yeah, I, I thought they tried to make those things illegal, but, you, you know, you make one thing illegal and some some kid in a, in a bathtub chemistry set is mm-hmm. going to make something wow. else. So right. um, I just... You've got, you've got real chemists working on those, and all you yeah. got to do is change one thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And the FDA does really know what nobody really knows what to do with it because it keeps changing so um i mean the idea is to work with kids get good information out there do prevention um look at those risk factors that pay, place people at risk of addiction and try and intervening um so that they don't go there in the first place so uh you know all that to be said i you know i'm not a big fan of pot being legalized um is it going to happen I mean, who knows? It'll probably happen in our lifetime, I think. It, it's possible. Yeah. It's possible. But we're still going to go back to the fact that alcohol is a legal drug and it's the number one offender. Well, mm-hmm. I, interesting. Personal, my personal views on, on marijuana, I think they should be just – it was once upon a time, you know, and then um, mm-hmm. just due to a purpose of, of one man, one man's mission kind of made it illegal. But, um, but you know, I think if you look at the other countries – um, who actually have had legalized marijuana for years. I think their some of their addiction rates are a lot less than ours. I'm not a specialist, and I can't quote those off top, but just from things I've read in the past. But um, what if someone's listening to the podcast and they say, maybe I am an addict. What are, what are some telltale signs besides, you know, uh, going to the pawn store every three weeks and you know, <laughs> pawning something at your mama's house? I mean, or if you're living on the couch and you're, you know, 43 years old, in your mom's basement eating Cheetos and playing Xbox One. Okay. I mean, what 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 are some signs, you know, we can we can kind of hang our head on? All right, I knew you were going to ask that question, too. <laughs> <Wow>. <laughs> that, 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 those are the questions that you always get asked. Um, and you see my little paper, I wrote some of this stuff down. You came prepared. Uh, I came prepared. Um, so I want to talk about alcohol first, and mm-hmm. then I'm going to kind of go into the others, because alcohol is kind of easier. And this is the one um, that there's a lot of information on. Um, so... Women, um, and it's not fair, but it is the way it is. Um, so you are saying there's a disparity between genders? Very big. Oh, okay. So that's Ooh. very big. So it's not. I can hit our Z community. Okay. So okay. basically, if you identify with something else, okay. Well, okay. Go ahead. I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> I mean, I think that one does kind of boil down to. <laughs> what's in ti- inside? What's, in, what's inside? What's your, or, cro- what's your chromosome is? Or how about what's outside? What That's right. Yeah. <laughs> um, so um, heavy drinking for a woman would be considered drinking three drinks in a day or more than seven a week. That's heavy drinking, really? That's heavy drinking. Hmm. Well, and and I'll, I'll explain what okay. that means here yeah. in a second. For men, it's four drinks in a day. Or 14 in a week. Um, and what this is based off is just studies that show if you drink at this consistently at this level, you're more ac- you're more likely to have accidents, suffer health conditions. Um, the bad stuff happens. It's not saying whether you're addicted or not. It's just saying if you drink okay. at this level over that a period of time, Got it. bad things happen. Um, and, you know, of course, a drink is uh, one beer five-ounce glass of wine, or a one-and-a-half-ounce shot of liquor. Um, that's just what your standard drink is. So when I say three, I'm talking about that's what I'm talking about. And um, 
so that that's a, just a good rule of thumb for alcohol. What I could there are a couple of websites out there that you can go take anonymous screening tools because you know mm-hmm. sometimes you might be sitting there late in the evening and you're thinking might have a problem. Yeah. So um, if you Google rethinking drinking. Um, it'll take you to a website. Rethinking drinking. Rethinking drinking. Okay. Um, that's a good one. A lot of information on there, and they can give you like a little survey that you can take, and it'll tell you uh, that you, you know, that you drink more than ninety percent of the population, or you're good, hmm. whatever. Right. Um, and another thing you can do is just Google, "Do I drink too much?" <laughs> <laughs> the, standard, the standard, the yeah. standard, right? Yeah. <laughs> Um, or if you have an or if you have an Amazon Alexa at home, just ask Alexa. Yeah. Right, yeah. Uh, Alexa, do I drink too much? Um, Considering well, you just ordered twelve twelve packs from Amazon delivery service, right? Uh, uh, and that's your second order this week. <laughs> you might have a problem. You might have a problem. That's awesome. Just ask Google. Yeah. Just ask Google. Um, so for drugs and everything, really, what you're just kind of looking for, um, you know, there, you got the clinical definitions of addiction, where you have tolerance and withdrawal. Um, continued use in spite of adverse consequences. But, you know, really, I think the rule of thumb is um, do I feel good about my drinking or my using? Am I having problems? And this is a good, uh, this is a gut check, Mm -hmm. you know. Um, Are people complaining about my drinking or using? Are you you losing relationships? Are you losing relationships? Have... um, you're losing relationships. Am I losing jobs? Mm-hmm. Um, but I think even more than that, because you can have a full-blown addiction before you get that far down the road. Um, just am I using more than I used to? Are people complaining about it? Have I tried to stop and I'm not being very successful? Or even less than that, if I thought to myself, this might not be a good idea. Yeah. <laughs> um, if you're having those kinds of thoughts, that that's a real good indicator that you probably um, hmm. need to take a look at what I, you're doing. I know a few. I know a few high functioning alcoholics myself too. So. Oh yeah, they're everywhere. Yeah, they're successful. I I was never able to do that, but I me either. Yeah, didn't work so well. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> For me, it didn't. But you know, um, but you know, addiction's not just being homeless, being on the streets. You know, one of the things going back to my dad, so, you know, I couldn't be, couldn't have a problem with it because I didn't drink every day. Right. Because I thought if I had an addiction, I'd have to use every day. Well, that wasn't true. Of course, I really wouldn't be an ass with myself because I was drinking six out, of five, six out of seven days. So I wasn't drinking every day. <laughs> I was taking a day off. <laughs> that, was to, that was for the Lord. Yeah. yeah. Or blue laws, yeah. Couldn't, you couldn't buy on the oh, yeah. Lord's Day. Yeah. All right. That's from South Carolina. You couldn't yeah. buy it. Mm-hmm. You couldn't buy it. Then the Panthers came in. You could buy it after, what, one? Yeah. Or, uh, yeah, something like that, yeah. You know, nothing about moral or anything. It was about pro football. <laughs> oh, yeah. Jesus, yeah God, God and Jesus decided that uh, all of a sudden you could buy. Right, mm-hmm. right, right, yeah. And uh, uh, Panthers football. Yep, hmm. that's true. That's true. It's all it's all the Panthers' fault. Wow. All right. So that it. That's uh, those those are the signs, right? So yeah. Okay. If you're doing how about, how about, just out of curiosity, just some quick signs for uh, for parents and kids, because you mm. know, especially with right. op- especially with opioids, because I think that's probably one of the bigger ones. Well, pot's still the big one for kids, right? Pot's. Uh, I mean, marijuana's still the big one for kids. Um, we are seeing kids that are getting. Um, so if, so if they l- start listening to Bob Marley, uh, they, they got good taste. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Chuck. All right. Gotcha. Um, no, just, you know, just changes in behavior, you know, school changes in friends. You know, if you got a kid that's been going to school and doing well in school, making good grades, and all of a sudden you start seeing that change, you start seeing, um, 
changes in their friends who they're hanging out with um just any sudden behavior change with the kids you you need to you need to pay attention to that and you know one of the most important things for parents to know about with their kids is you just really need to be involved with your kids um because when you do treatment with kids um the best practice is a lot of family work mm-hmm. and it's not necessarily about um disease management with addiction like you do with adults a lot of it's about um having a relationship with your kid being present with mm. your kids having a conversation with so being with a parent imagine being that. present yeah yeah being present and you know parents get just distracted by a lot of things yeah. just, you know they have their own addictions they have their own financial problems they have their own relationship well, problems we, we're you know we're now in generations deep now into single parents homes you know a lot of that so that um, it's when you have a single parent whose kid rides the bus home to to and from school and they come and they're they're working two jobs i mean i Mm -hmm. I can see where yeah and you know most parents negotiate that fairly well right right most parents are able to negotiate Mm -hmm. i don't want somebody listening to this thing because i'm a single parent no 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 Um, but what I see with the parents that are, um, they have their own addictions, they have their own health related issues. So they're just not able to, to be present. Um, parents that have sort of this attitude of, um, a hands off attitude. You don't have, you don't have that problem because, you know, (laughs) I'll just let nature raise my my kid type thing. Right, right, right. Because I think everybody in the world is afraid of your daughter now, not because of her, (laughs) but because of you. Um, (laughs) um, But, um, you know, parents that are burned out, worn out. um, Man, you just described me and like half of them. But it just really, it's yeah. just the parents being present, you sure. know, um, ask, you know, having conversations with your kid at night. What was the best part of your day? What did you like? What didn't you like? What are you doing this weekend? Um, having, having, giving them opportunities to do, to do things with other kids and then knowing their friends hmm. and knowing their friends, parents. That was big. Um, yeah. Just, just being a part of their life. And that really is probably the biggest just be in your kid's life. Be in your kid's yeah. life. Don't over-control them. Sure. Don't be, uh, you know, don't um, be a control freak with them. But, you know, who are they doing? What are they doing? Go to, go to their ball games. Um, you know, chaperone events if they'll let you. Um, you know, just, who, who, you know, being a part of who they are. Sure. That is that is the number one thing you can do to um, protect your kids from addictions and um developing a lot of other um of the bad things that kids have to struggle with sure. today just out of, out of curiosity we'll we'll let you go here in a second um what's just out of curious what's the youngest kid that you think you've seen that's been through an addiction type program or even a 12-step program typically where i work the youngest we'll see come in is about 13 wow it's my, da- see, it's my daughter's see, age man and we'll, we'll see that fairly consistent yeah that that one's not wow. um now i have known of eight nine year olds to use alcohol and drugs i've not had done treatment with one i mean when you get to that that's obviously um a lack of supervision a parent you know there's certain right. there's something going on when they're when they're that young but um 13 years old and really what it is is just when the kid starts getting mobile 
and they're able to separate and they're able to go be with their friends. That's when that's that's when you really have to start paying attention. It goes back to that being being be a parent in your kids' yeah, life. Yeah, where are you going? Who are you going with? I'm gonna call her mom. Let me know when you get there. That's right. Um, have them come in. Let me talk to them. Um, you know, uh, you know, being awake when they come home. Hmm. You know, that was my big one when I was a kid because I could come home in whatever shape I felt like it because my parents were gonna be asleep. <laughs> Well, I always hear, I always heard the voice or the verse, the Bible verse, "Spare the rod, you spoil the child." Mm-hmm. My mom quoted that probably at least three times a day, <laughs> as she was wielding a belt. Well, so. yeah, I, I, I didn't get the rod was not spared on me, <laughs> um, and I didn't get all the spankings I deserved. <laughs> <laughs> everyone I got, I got. Everyone I got, I you deserved. deserved. Yeah. And, um, but yeah, I mean, just be, just be, just be present. I mean, that's the, no, that's, that's I think that's huge. Yeah. And you see a lot of that just not happening right now, man, because yeah. just seeing my daughter's school, you know, right. um, seeing parents that aren't involved, involved either personally or uh, right. by choice or by through just work or circumstances. And it breaks my heart just, just to see that. But um, anyway, just be present. I mean, that's right. that's. That's right. pretty good advice right there. And um, if you're if you're taking the kids away from stuff, you got to give them something back. Right. Mm. So you just can't say don't do this and don't do this, and you can't hang out here and you can't go. You got to give them some options. Sure. Mm. Give them some options. So just don't tell them don't do something and turn your back and get mad at them. I'm gonna give you a knuckle sandwich. That's what I'm gonna give you. Yeah, I'm gonna give you <laughs> knuckles. Yeah, yeah. That 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 doesn't work so good. Yeah, didn't work for me either. So. Oh goodness. So if somebody is struggling and wants some help, where can they go? Um, where are some resources? Um. Or, how do they get in touch with you? Uh, well, you can call us through our website, anuvia.org, um, A-N-U-V-I-A.org. You can um, you can do that. We have a website with that. Um, another thing to do is just call Alcoholics. You look in the uh, – well, I was about to say you look in the phone book. Nobody <laughs> has phone book anymore. <laughs> oh, that is hilarious. Just pull, just said, pull up your smartphones. I just said yeah. that on a, yeah. on a, on a podcast. <laughs> look right. in your telephone book. Um, but look up Alcoholics Anonymous. Um, and like I said, or earlier, narcotics anonymous, narcotics yeah. anonymous. Um, like I said earlier to me, there's still, it's the best thing going. It's free. And I can't go anywhere else on a Friday night and be surrounded by people that are in a meeting because they want to be there and they're happy. They're doing life being successful. I mean, mm. that's the success, right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Uh, so I can't argue with that. But and, also, but also they deal with, they deal with the physical, but they also deal with the spiritual component the whole too. Thing. Yeah. The and whole it's, thing. I can't. I, I speak very highly of a twelve-step program. Oh yeah. So. Oh yeah. Um, you can, um, you know, in the Cabarrus County. Of course, we're on the internet, so I'm not even sure anybody knows Cabarrus County where they are. They per, if they saw it, they probably uh, pronounce it Cabarrus. 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 Yes. <laughs> <laughs> if you're if you're in Cabarrus County. Um, Really start with Alcoholics Anonymous. There's some providers in the area today, Mark Recovery Services, RHA, um, there's Cardinal Innovations. There's a number of different places you can okay. that you can call. You can go on the website and say, I need help. <laughs> um, and you can get a list of um, treatment facilities. Or rethink, the, rethink, Rethinking Drinking. Rethinking Drinking yeah. will actually take you to treatment resources. And my yeah. organization is listed on that. Awesome. Awesome. Very so cool. it's or uh, if you're stupid enough and you want to play stupid games and win stupid prizes, you can always go drive around drunk and uh, you'll they'll automatically no. send you to a facility. Uh, that's a bad idea. 
That is, that is a bad idea. <laughs> we can scratch that idea. Let's then. just go to our website because we'll put a link out there. There you, so go. you can go. Check it out. So yeah, yeah cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for being on the show. I really appreciate sure. it. Do you have uh, time for uh, 10 and 1? 10 and 1? Sure. All right. We're going to ask you 10 questions in under one minute and see if you can get those. One minute, one minute. Give me one minute, one minute, one minute. Give me one minute, say you want. Uh, start the clock. And uh, what is your favorite superhero? Batman. Uh, what is the last show that you binge watched? Oh, my gosh. The Man in the High Castle. Okay. Oh, great show. Big great Mac show. or Mac Daddy? Mac Daddy. Uh, Home Depot or Lowe's? Lowe's. Favorite 90s band? Nine Inch Nails. Would you rather uh, lose your cell phone or your keys? Myself. <laughs> <laughs> uh, that's not an answer, but we'll, we'll, we'll take it. it. Uh, peanut butter or butter pecan? Peanut butter. Football or basketball? Basketball. Worst vacation destination ever? I haven't had bad vacation. Okay. All right. Uh, and the last question is, what is your spirit food? My spirit food has got to be low country South Carolina barbecue. Mm. All right. Man, I love you, Mackie. <laughs> uh, you're, you're my new best friend. <laughs> do, you like, do you like a mustard sauce? Or do you oh, like... that's where it's at, buddy. Oh, wow. <laughs> oh I, just got, I just got my hair on my arms just stood up. <laughs> that's where it's at. North Carolina's good, but South Carolina. Oh, oh. Man, I love mustard. Nice. Well, again, thank you for being on the show. Appreciate it. And we'll put the links out uh, on their, on our website so you can check that out there. So thanks for tuning in. This is Southern sure. Fried Philosophy. Uh, next week, tune in. We'll have Heather Luttrell. She is a realtor in uh, Cabarrus or Cabarrus area. And uh, we're going to get to know some ins and outs of the real estate game. So uh, stay tuned for that. Thanks again. You're listening to the Southern Fried Philosophy. McDonald's forever, but they they put the cheese on the outside of the bread. I'm like, yeah, Did they? you had one job. <laughs> that, was pro- that was probably when I was like 22 or something like that. That's funny. They put the cheese on the outside of the sandwich yeah, or outside yeah. of the, just the whole package? No, just on the outside of the sandwich and then wrapped it. And I'm like, <laughs> one extra step, you know, one extra layer lower. I thought it would be awesome if they just packaged it up and then put the cheese on yeah. top of that. I wouldn't, but I wouldn't put it past the, the cream of the crap that works at McDonald's sometimes. Mm. All right. What was your first job? I'm just curious. You won't believe this. My McDonald's. First, no, no, no. I never worked at McDonald's, but my first job, I was a school bus driver. Really? Right. Is Like in high school? In high school. I remember when you could do that. Right. Yeah. Really? 16 mm-hmm. years old, and I was driving a school bus. <laughs> yep. I remember, I, I remember, of course, that's that's when we had smoking lounges in school, too. Sure, you could go out <laughs> back in the, the smoking lounge. It scares yep. the hell out of me when I think about it. <laughs> I remember, I thought that was so cool, man. Like the, In middle school, we had smoking lounges. 